This has been a wondrous day already. There's hardly anything that this pastor's heart would rather do than to see people come to faith and to signify that, to identify with Christ and his church in baptism. And so uh, today has already been an awesome day for me. When you came in, you, you noticed there were these little cups at your place, right? And inside the cups uh, were these. Uh, we used to use these when we were at the high school. We use these when we are remotely doing things. But your seat should have uh, at least the cup and the number of um, little communion sets that are appropriate for your setting. When we get to that part of the service, if you are missing one, please let me know. And the reason we put those in the little cups is because the, as we finish, you can just put the, the empties back in the cup and put them on the floor, and we can collect those after the service. So uh, this coronavirus stuff has caused us to be quite um, creative in trying to arrange seating and trying to arrange small groups and trying to do communion. Uh, but I will let you know, there's one thing that we, we miss, and I hear this every Sunday we miss that physical contact of being able to hug one another and love one another and shake hands and high five. And I don't know, maybe even some of you follow Paul's injunction to greet one another with a holy kiss. I don't know. So, uh, but, well, let me not recommend that. Okay. There's coming a time when you can do that. But I thank you for your patience in this whole process as we continue to to seek to follow Christ and be creative in how we can connect with other people during this time. Please don't lose those connections. Uh, and thank you for all of those who are being praying for those who have been hospitalized and praying for those we have recently lost. As many of you know, um, you know, Mike Dawkins passed away and very hard on the family, very hard on the church. He was a vital part of the church and and it's like taking a piece of us away. But you know what? The good news is we get to see him again someday. As a matter of fact, we get to see all of those who have gone on to glory because they trusted in Christ as Savior. And the reason that the gospel is so important to us is that this is the way that we get to God. In fact, Jesus said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And that stands in stark contrast to the way the world views things. The world sees it entirely differently. The world says, if God does exist, if, if he exists, then he's, he's such a loving God that there's no way he'd allow anyone to go to hell. Well, except maybe the Hitlers and the Bin Ladens of the world, maybe they get to go to hell, but everybody else is good. Everybody else gets in somehow. A person can believe whatever they want. You know, follow whatever religion they want. As long as they're sincere, as long as they're sincere in their heart, that's all God really cares about. The way of the world says that if a person is basically good, and they probably define good as what their lifestyle's like. As long as a person is basically good, then God surely will let them into heaven. But Jesus says something different, something that the world considers to be narrow-minded and exclusive when it was intended to be inclusive. That is, 
those who would believe in him, trust in him, cling to him, would have life. But life is only found in him. The way of the world makes the cross of Jesus unnecessary. Do you, do you hear that? If, if there was any other way, any other way for us to, to get our way to God, to, to work our way to God, to be good enough to get to God, if there were any way we could do it on our own somehow, then we don't need the cross. We don't need the sacrifice of Jesus. But what Jesus tells us is that sacrifice is absolutely and completely necessary for us. And I probably can't argue with you and convince you that, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But, but today I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will do something in you that's bigger than anything I could do. Heavenly Father, I do come in the powerful name of Jesus right now. And I pray that your spirit would be moving in hearts here in this room, at home, as people are listening and watching, or maybe even months later as someone in a distant country or another state entirely is listening to this message. Lord, my prayer is that your spirit would bring such deep conviction of sin of lostness and of hopelessness. That there would be a man, a woman, a teenager, a child who would be so convicted that they would turn today, at this time, turn to you and put their faith in Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life and the only way to the Father. That they would believe that he gave his life on Calvary's cross for their sins and that he rose again on the third day and offers life to those who trust in him. And so, Lord, today we come and we ask that you would do a miracle of new birth in the life of hundreds and thousands and God millions. And we ask it. In the powerful name of Jesus, our only hope. Amen. Jesus said in John chapter 10, beginning at verse 11, he says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. 
this charge I have received from my father. And when the crowds heard this, they thought he was a crazy man. They thought he was mad that anyone could come and speak this way. But Jesus had shared with them the way to life, the way to eternity, the way to hope. They couldn't receive it. They rejected it. But Jesus had shared with them God's eternal plan of salvation, that the good shepherd came to lay down his life for his sheep and to take it up again. Now, it's true that the Jewish leaders are the ones who accused and tried Jesus. It's true that the Jewish people clamored for his death to to release Barabbas and to kill Jesus. It's true that Pontius Pilate was the one who tried Jesus in a Roman court of sorts and handed him over to be killed. It's true that the Roman soldiers nailed Jesus' hands and feet to that cross and carried out the execution. All that's true. And all those people are responsible for their actions. But none of them was in control. You hear what I'm saying? None of them was in control. What did Jesus say? That he had come... As the good shepherd, he had come to lay down his life. No one took it from him. He laid it down of his own accord. Listen, he could have called 12 legions of angels to come and to rescue him at any moment. And they would have obeyed the voice of God. But he didn't. Because your soul and 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 your soul were that crucial and important to him. Jesus said that, that he didn't come to, to be served, although he deserved it, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came for that purpose. The cross did not take him by surprise. This was not simply a good man who got caught in a bad situation. The good shepherd came to lay down his life for his sheep. That means he laid down his life for you and for me. He didn't have to. He chose to. But he didn't stay dead. And he tells them here as well. That he has the authority not only to lay down his life, but the authority to take it up again. His sacrifice on the cross was sufficient payment, more than sufficient payment for my sin and for your sin. And I don't know about you, but my ledger was pretty red. And Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. On Calvary's cross, he declared, it is done, and it was done. Jesus' death secured our 
victory and he rose again that we might have hope for life that would go on forever and forever and forever and forever when he came out of that tomb he destroyed sin's grip on us death's grip on us and opened the way for us to have life forever and now now you and i come today and i hope some of you are prepared to share this at home we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to celebrate communion together, to remember and to reflect and to rejoice in what our Savior did for us, something we could never do for ourselves. Let's prepare our hearts now to have the Lord's Supper together. Heavenly Father, as we pause here in this moment, we stop and we we ask that you would clear the clutter from our minds. I know for many this week has been a tough, tough week. I know for many today has been a challenging morning so far. Lord, we've got rubble and debris from our past, and we've got clouds that concern us for the future, but for right now, God, we want to come and ask that you would clear the floor, that you would clear our minds, that you would clear our hearts, and that we would just take this time to remember all that Jesus accomplished for us that we could not accomplish for ourselves. Lord, as we prepare our hearts, we ask that you would expose to us sin that needs to be confessed relationships that need to be repaired. Lord, we know that you call us not simply to be one with you, but to be one with one another. And so, Lord, and so we come in gratitude and in celebration. We come as your children to celebrate the life we have through Jesus Christ. Amen. If you'll have an usher, would please let people know out in the um, gathering space out there that we are preparing for Lord's Supper so that they can participate. Sometimes they can't hear things fully. So if one of our ushers would just let them know out in the back, that would be awesome. And you can prop the doors open. You're welcome to do that if you want, if that would help them to interact we also have our uh, nursery and preschool workers who are participating with us as well they're back there and they're prepared this is something we are doing together as a church family so let me give you some simple instructions on this and then we'll share some scripture and share in the lord's supper these little cellophane these little plastic cups that you have they have the bread that's under a piece of clear cellophane on the top and in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to peel that clear cellophane back. If you want to get a head start, that's okay. We're going to take the bread first. And then once we've shared in the bread, we will peel back the foil layer. And we will take the juice together, remembering the blood of Jesus. But as we prepare to do that, I want you to hear the words that are found in Matthew's gospel, the 26th chapter, that come from that upper room. 
Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. If you'll peel back that top layer now and expose the bread, if you haven't done so already. As Jesus gathered with his disciples in that upper room, they truly had no idea what was coming. Jesus had warned them, he told them, he had prepared them, but they simply couldn't understand. It was only after the crucifixion, only after the resurrection, only after they saw the resurrected Christ, that all the pieces fell into place. And they truly understand what Jesus meant when he said, this is my body given for you. Let us, as his people, eat of it now in remembrance of him. And if you would peel back that foil layer on top, I'll give you a moment. That's not always easy. This is really neat because Leanna and Mia today celebrate communion as newly baptized members of this church. Jesus took the cup and when he thanked the Father for it, he passed it to each of them and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Let us drink of it now in remembrance of him. You can take these cups and just put them on the floor there. We will collect those at the end. What we've done here this morning, both with baptism and the Lord's Supper, is like tying a string around our finger because there's something we simply don't want to forget. Jesus gave us both baptism and the Lord's suppers as opportunity to stop and remember, to be still and know not only that he is God, but the kind of God he is. And so today we are here because of the new life we have in Christ and we celebrate that life. Heavenly Father, we pause now having celebrated with Mia and with Leanna and their families, having rejoiced in, the, in their faith, their story. And Lord, we thank you that we are part of that story. We all have a story, and at the center is the Son of God. We pause now, Father to rejoice and to thank you in this remembrance that you gave us, this time of communion.
where we share together and share with you of the unity that we have in Christ Jesus. And now, Lord, now, Lord, we ask that you prepare our hearts and our minds and give us strength to engage a world this week who desperately needs what we have found. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for life. Thank you for hope. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.